Hazard Audio. The Gross Axelrod Show. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Gross Axelrod Show, powered by Hazard Radio. We're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. He's Matt Axelrod. You can find us every week. Uh, We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter, so hit us up at at GrossAxelrod, or you can email us at GrossAxelrod at gmail.com. In the second half of today's show, we're going to dive into the NFL coaching carousel, the veteran combine, and we're going to give our picks for this weekend's conference championship games. But first, we're going to start with some NBA. Uh, We're going to talk the Eastern and Western Conference leaders and LeBron getting physical with David Blatt. So, uh, Matt, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, first place in the Eastern Conference. What, what do you think? Are they for real? Look, the Hawks are playing some great basketball right now. They really are. Jeff Teague is playing phenomenal. I've always been high on him. Al Horford's great. We all know that. But I just don't buy it. They, they just don't seem to have the personnel to maintain what they're doing right now. I think they're going to get figured out. There's going to be enough tape on them for their weaknesses to be exploited. I think they'll make the playoffs. They'll probably make the second round and have a second round exit. Well, yeah, they're thirty-two and eight. They're going to make the playoffs. That's not even up for debate, mm, especially um, in the Eastern Conference. Right? Yeah, especially in the Eastern Conference. But I think they're for real. Um, I, I know you say they don't have the personnel, but sometimes it's not all about you know one player. They have five guys averaging double digits in scoring, um, and even against the Western Conference, they're eight and two against the Western Conference this year. They're in first place in the Eastern Conference by a full five games. Yeah, I I just think that in a seven-round playoff series, they're going to get figured out and they're going to get exploited, and their weaknesses will show. They the, the NBA is much more star-driven than any other league because there's only five players. You can have one person make such a huge difference. They don't have any of those difference makers that you really need that can really just take over a game, put the team on his back, and they're going to come up against teams that do have those guys. They're going to come up against the Bulls or the Cavaliers, and LeBron James or Derrick Rose, if he actually continues to round in a form, will take them out. So you think their their uh, biggest weakness is that they don't have a go-to player? Yes, absolutely. Isn't Jeff Teague that guy? Isn't Aren't you giving Jeff Teague the ball in the fourth quarter? Yeah, you are, but the question is, can he do enough with it? Jeff Teague, I think he's too small. He's just not a, a prolific enough scorer to be able to do what they need him to do. Oh, he doesn't need to be a scorer. I'm not saying that. I mean, he averages 17 points a game or something like that. But he can create. If you watch that kid off the dribble, he's he's quick, man. He can get the ball to where it needs to go, and he can create shots for other people. Teams that have had, and this is another thing, teams that have had a point guard as their best player never go far. They don't win championships. It hasn't happened since Magic Johnson. Uh, they just and Magic was was an anomaly because he was six foot nine. It just doesn't happen. Well, it takes a lot for a Bulls fan to say that with uh, Derrick Rose being the best player on the team. <laughs> well, I don't know. Jimmy Butler might be taking over that title. Derrick Rose is the best player, let's be honest. He is. He is. Um, but... Speaking of the point guard being the best player on the team, let's talk about the Warriors, the best team in the Western Conference um, with Steph Curry. He's de- definitely the best player on that team. You don't think he can take them to a championship? That That's going to be interesting to see. I don't think so. I think the Warriors, first of all, they don't have enough of a post presence to really do well in a playoff series. Uh, And also just Steph Curry and being a point guard, I I don't know. Now, the weird thing is I've never seen a reason why that should be the case, why point guards uh, are never the best player on a championship team. But the, the facts do bear it out. History bears that out. It just doesn't happen. 
So you're, you're not suggesting that Mario Chalmers wasn't the best player on the Heat, are you? <laughs> I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's talk about the Warriors a little bit. You say they don't have, really have a post presence. Uh, Andrew Bogut has been playing pretty well for them. Andrew Bogut's all right when he's healthy. He's pretty good. Uh, I mean, how many points does he score, though? How, how many rebounds does he get? He's pretty... He's a pretty pedestrian uh, center as far as that goes, honestly. Well, I'm, I'm looking at his numbers right now, and as far as rebounds, he, he's averaging almost nine rebounds a game, which, if he was qualified for stats, would put him 17th in the NBA. And he averages uh, two blocks a game. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Two blocks a game is good, but you're telling me he averages 17th in the NBA in terms of rebounds per game, and that's pretty good? Ah, it's, that seems pretty average to me. Like, like I said, I mean, he's, he's decent, but... Those are pretty pedestrian numbers. He's not even averaging a double-double at over seven feet. Well, That's... I mean, they, they have David Lee down there, too. So between the two of them splitting rebounds, you know, they're, they're a decent rebounding team. Decent, they are, yeah. The uh, Warriors are, I'm looking at now, eighth in the NBA in rebounds per game. So, you know, the post presence, they, everyone on their team rebounds. You know, Steph Curry, their point guard, is averaging almost five rebounds a game. So it's not like they, they don't have one dominant guy, but they do get it done. That's true. That is true. But I think that they're more built for the regular season than the postseason. Kind of like the Hawks. I mean, they're doing it by good outside shooting and not by physical interior play. And when the game slows down, and, and that's another thing, is transition play. They, they're they awesome in transition. I mean, Steph Curry with an open three is like a layup. But it, the game's going to slow down in the playoffs, and I don't know if they'll be able to adapt to that and able to actually carry it through to the finals. Right. And I guess... the. The fact that they're in the Western Conference definitely hurts them. Absolutely. I mean, there's probably seven contenders in the Western Conference. There's like two or three in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I was looking at at the Warriors record earlier. They're 31 and 6, but against the Western Conference, they're they're 18 and 6. They're 13 and 0 against the Eastern Conference, which, uh, yeah, which really says a lot for uh, how how the Hawks have been so successful. But, um, yeah, the fact that they're only 18 and 6 in the Western Conference should be a little bit troubling to them. Clay Thompson. On that team, also, he's just as good as Steph Curry. I, I, he's not as good a uh, defender, or actually, I think he's a better defender. Excuse me, he's not as good a passer as uh, as Steph Curry. Um, but between the two of them, you know, you can count on fifty points a game between the two of them. It's almost impossible to stop. That is true. I mean, they they do play really well together. I just I gotta see it come playoff time. They're what they're doing in the regular season is historic. They are phenomenal. They're playing very good, entertaining basketball on both ends of the court. But let's see it come playoff time because I don't think this will work. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the Cavs a little bit. Did you see LeBron James last night? Uh, recording this on Saturday afternoon, so last night was the Cavaliers Clippers game where uh, LeBron James shoved his coach while he was talking to a referee. Did you see that? I did see that. I thought that was actually a couple days ago though. But uh, but yeah, I I can't believe that he would actually do that. That he would shove his coach? Yeah. He's done it before. He did it with Eric Spolstra. He gave him a little a little shoulder in the back. I mean, was that even intentional, though? There was at least some some debate about whether he even meant to do that. But this this was his coach. Now, granted, he was trying to keep, prevent his coach from getting a technical. But how, how are you going to go to your coach, who's essentially your boss, and shove him away? Well, it, it's just, it was just weird timing with the story coming out this week about the Cavaliers players telling opposing teams, we're going to try to get our coach fired. So that story comes out, and then you see LeBron pushing his coach out of the way, 
you know, with with emphasis. It wasn't just like, a, oh, go sit down. It was get the hell out of here. I got this. See, I don't, I don't believe that story for a second. Now, I don't doubt that they're trying to get the coach fired. I don't know one way or the other, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. I just can't imagine they would tell players on other teams that that they're trying to get their head coach fired. That's just pretty terrible because then they're labeled as a coach killer. No one wants to have that label attached to them. Really? So you're having a hard time believing that J.R. Smith would say something like that on the court? That you make a good point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> He's not been accused of being the most intelligent man in the NBA. No. He, he knows how to untie shoelaces, though. We know that for <laughs> sure. Um, so with uh, Kevin Love on the bench last night, the Cavaliers ended up beating the, the Clippers. The Clippers scored 121 points in regulation and lost the game. Some some real good defense going on in that game, clearly. What's going on with the Clippers? Every year they have the same expectations. Everyone puts like big expectations on them every year, and we get the same results every year. They end up being, you know, like four or five seed in, in the in the playoffs and they lose in the first or second round. And it's just I don't I don't understand why their Clippers uh, their expectations are so inflated every year and when we keep getting the same exact results. Yeah, no, there's something to be said for that. I think uh, expectations were really high, especially last year, once they got Doc Rivers as their head coach. Because Doc Rivers is a very good coach, and Vinny Del Negro, well, isn't. Uh, but <laughs> I uh, I thought that was a great move for them, getting Doc Rivers. But I think Doc Rivers is also a little bit overrated, and I think uh, his his trouble getting this team to perform and getting them to play well together has been a, a real problem. And there, there have been significant chemistry problems, it looks like. You, you hear all these stories, and you never know what you can really believe, but you hear stories coming out that Blake Griffin and Chris Paul don't enjoy playing with each other, that a lot of the other guys on the team don't enjoy playing together. I don't know. Do you think Blake Griffin is the best player on the team? I, I think he can be. I think, I think he's still growing as a player. He was phenomenal last year. He's having a great season this year. Uh, I think Chris Paul is still the best player on that team, though. Chris Paul is is what makes the Clippers go. Um, you know, Blake Griffin's kind of the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. And yeah. and don't forget about DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, from for being a second round pick, I believe, is coming along so well. I mean, he's he still doesn't play that many minutes because I don't think he physically has the endurance for it. But he's when he's on the court, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He averages a ridiculous amount of blocks. I think he has the best rebounding percentage. Uh, in terms of rebounds per minute of anybody in the league, and is actually a decent offensive option. When I mean, he can't create his own shot worth a damn, but if you catch him on the move, uh, which Chris Paul is obviously phenomenal at, you're going to get some pretty big dunks out of him. Yeah, DeAndre is ridiculously athletic, I'm, and I'm glad you brought him up because it highlights uh, an interesting point about the Clippers. DeAndre Jordan, he's his first in the NBA in rebounds per game, but the Clippers are like 25th. In the NBA and rebounds, how does that how does that even happen? Especially when you've got Blake Griffin in there too. I mean, Blake Griffin is averaging either a double double or close to it, so it, that does seem really weird. But Chris Paul doesn't rebound that much, and granted, you don't expect rebounding out of your point guard, but they all add up. Uh, that does. I didn't know that statistic though. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean. Chris Paul, I think, is actually one of the better rebounding uh, point guards. I think him yeah. and Steph Curry are probably two of the better ones. I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, yeah, he averages almost five rebounds a game. Oh, wow. Well, excuse me. So, yeah, then. that's pretty good. Uh, but Spencer Hawes, you know, he's, I don't know, he 
I don't know if he needs some more playing time or I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him, but they they acquired him thinking he was going to be a piece of the puzzle, and he just hasn't. He's been totally disappointing. I don't I don't know why they'd think that. I've never been that impressed with Spencer Hawes, to be perfectly honest. He's one of those guys who's always been, you know, he's always made decent money on the teams that he's been on and just hasn't really produced. And how, how do you feel about the Clippers bringing in Austin Rivers? <laughs> That's kind of a weird situation. Yeah, that's got to be crazy playing playing basketball with your dad as a coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I my dad coached me when I was in middle school, but I loved every second of it. But at a professional level, I don't, you know, I don't I don't think I would enjoy that very much. I don't think my dad would enjoy that very much to be honest with you. No, I I got to say I worked at my dad's law firm when I was uh just after I had graduated from high school and I hated it, you know. I <laughs> I, I love my dad. I and I love working in a law firm, but working for him while also, especially because I was still living with him, but which I'm sure Rivers isn't. But that's just a, a not a good situation when you have to combine professional and personal life in that kind of manner. Yeah. Do you think the other guys on the team are going to look down on him like, oh, it's the boss's kid. We you know we better take it easy on him. You think that's going to happen? Yeah, it probably is. But and. I mean, he he hasn't exactly been playing that well anyway, so I don't know if it might be kind of kind of a mood issue. You're listening to the Gross Axelrod Show. We're here every week on. Can tweet us at Gross Axelrod, all one word. Email us at grossaxelrod at gmail dot com. We're here with your hosts. I'm Matt. That's Steve. And produced by Johnny Five and powered by Hazard Audio. Hazard Audio. Welcome back to the Gross Axelrod Show, powered by Hazard Audio. Uh, once again, we're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross, and he's Matt Axelrod. You can find us every week. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter, uh, at Gross Axelrod. That's all one word. There's no hyphens or anything. Or you can email us, grossaxelrod at gmail.com. Uh, we talked about some NBA already, so we're going to switch gears now and move on to the NFL. Or let's talk about uh, the head coaching position. Uh, we've had few, a lot of new hires in the past week or two weeks. So uh, let's start with your Chicago Bears and their hiring of John Fox. What do you think? I love it. John Fox is a very good coach. His career record is 126 and 95. He's eight and seven in the postseason. He's taken two different teams to the Super Bowl, including the Panthers with Jake Delhomme at quarterback. And Jake Del, yeah, yeah, Jake Delhomme was the quarterback, but the Panthers had some good players that year. They had uh, Ricky Prohl, Mushin Muhammad. Steve Smith was there. Uh, Julius Peppers. Don't Christian. even talk to me about Julius Peppers. That man pisses me off so What's much. What's wrong with Julius Peppers? Julius Peppers completely checked out on the Bears for the last season or two that he was there. He did not give a shit. And then he goes, the Packers pick him up after we had to cut him because he was not worth the $18 million a year we were paying him. The Packers pick him up, and all of a sudden the guy can play again? What a douche. Well, it... <laughs> Not carrying on the Bears seems to be a pretty common theme lately. Um, Peppers did have a great year with, with the with the Bears or with the uh, Packers. I mean, well, yeah, the not caring is why is the main reason I'm so glad about this coaching change. I mean, you had to get rid of Trustman. The players didn't respect him. They weren't playing for him. Maybe he's an offensive genius. I don't know. Guys in the know say he is. I he made some really stupid mistakes for a supposed offensive genius, though. But more importantly, John Fox, I think, will bring back that try-hard attitude 
the, the that the Bears had during the Lovey Smith years. And I think he's going to, I mean, I think he's a better coach than Lovey Smith was, although I don't know that for sure. He's, his career record is great, and he, in general, knows what he's doing. He instills a try-hard mentality in teams, and he plays good defense and runs the ball well. And with some of the defensive playmakers that the Bears do have that I think were being just woefully underused, uh, I think that he'll be he'll be the right guy to fix their defense. And you got Matt Forte, who I would consider the best all-around back in, in the NFL, and he'll actually use him in the running game, unlike Mark Trussman, the supposed offensive genius. Well, uh, it's, it's not even a debate. Jamal Charles is the best all-around back in the NFL. I'm not even going to argue with you on that one. But um, John Fox, I, I talked to a few of my friends in, in, in the Denver area, um, and I think a good way to gauge a, a coach is to ask people – Ask people who are fans of the team that he's leaving how they feel about him. Um, and the first thing that I asked, I talked to three or four people, the first thing they all said was, well, he's a good guy. It's not a great way to start when you ask, what's this coach like? They're like, oh, he's a good guy. You know, I hope he does well. Uh, so, I mean, it's, they, there were a lot of things that got brought up. Um, they all said he is a player's coach, like you said. The guys are going to want to play for him, which is good for the Bears because with Tressman, it seemed like you know, they were just like, Oh, who's this fucking nerd standing on the sideline? I don't want to listen to him uh, with, his, with his stats and whatever <laughs> else he's doing over there. But um, Fox gets outcoached a lot. He gets, he gets outfoxed a lot. He's, always, <laughs> he's slow to make in-game adjustments. Uh, he did take them to four straight uh, conference championships. Did he? Or did Peyton Manning take them to four straight conference championships? You know, <laughs> that was another thing that got brought up was, you know, maybe Fox will have some more success in Chicago because Peyton Manning was clearly running that team. Peyton Manning and John Elway, you know, basically had, had Fox by the balls and told him, sorry, dude, like this is, this is the way it's going to go. Whatever Peyton wants is what Peyton's going to get. Um, and you know, that's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm honestly not expecting John Fox to lead the bears to the Super Bowl. It would be nice. I'm expecting this team to not be a laughing stock anymore. If, if we can just do that, I'll be happy, at least for the next few years. He's on a four-year deal, which usually means he's either going to get extended after three years or he'll be fired after three years. If you can give me three years of competent coaching while we search for another for replacement, because the guy's older, too. I mean, there's a good chance he'll actually just run out his four-year contract and then retire. I don't know, but the guy's getting into his into his 60s, and he's had some health problems, so hopefully he can get us set up with one of his coordinators uh, learning the ropes, and hopefully one of his coordinators can take over after that four-year contract. You're going to have a guy with health problems on the sideline watching Jay Cutler throw interceptions. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, I, I think the only way he can really help this team make the playoffs is if he pays half of Jay Cutler's salary. I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Uh, he's... Uh, I don't think Jay Cutler is going to be in Chicago too much longer. I think he'll be here for this year, and then I think they're going to do what it takes to to trade him. They'll they'll have to eat a bunch of his contract, most likely, or possibly package him with Brandon Marshall uh, and may, make a move. But my guess is, you know, obviously this depends on Ryan Pace, the new general manager, right. and and on John Fox and what they want to do with Cutler. But McCaskey, uh, George McCaskey, the the chairman who basically runs the show from you know from the top down, he's said that what they're doing with Jay Cutler is going to be left completely up to the coach and the general manager. 
So, I mean, if if they want to get rid of him or if they want to just bench him, it sounds like ownership is not going to interfere with those decisions. Well, Cutler's one of those guys who's just who's kind of universally disliked. I mean, you have your moments where you love him, but for the most part, most people are pretty sour on him for I, both, both his production or lack thereof and his a personality. Year, a year ago, I would have gone gone at it with you on that, but I've just, I'm done defending Jay Cutler. <laughs> I have defended that man so much, and I just can't do it anymore. I'm done. Just get him out of my city. I want him gone. Yeah, it's it's hard, though, because, like, what do you do? You have to have a backup plan. Are you really going to throw pickles in there? Uh, Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, though, Clausen played pretty well in the game that he did start, and I, I thought he was running the offense much more competently than Cutler had been for the last few games. Are you really making an argument that Clausen's better than Jay Cutler? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm making <laughs> okay, an argument. Uh, so, so supposedly, you never know how much you can believe of this stuff, but there were stories coming out that Cutler was just completely ignoring Trestman's play calls and running the offense as he saw fit. Uh, and, uh, and so the, the reason, supposedly, that Trestman put in Jimmy Clausen in that second and last game and would have played him in the last game if he hadn't had a concussion was because he... Uh, Oh, yeah, it was because Tressman uh, wanted someone who was actually going to run his offense. And based on what I saw, it, it seems like that makes sense because it looked like Clawson was actually running an offense that, you know, was much more like what we saw last year when, uh, what's his name? Uh, McCown. Yeah, when Josh McCown was, was uh, quarterback in the Bears and not playing spectacularly but he was executing an offense that that worked and being a game manager and managing the game extremely well. And, you know, I, I feel like if if Cutler is the kind of guy who's not going to listen to the coach and is just going to completely tune him out and run the offense as he sees fit, which obviously he's not very good at, then maybe you should move on and maybe you should go with uh, Jimmy Clausen and then draft someone and develop them. I, mean, I don't know about going with Jimmy Clausen. We're going to move on from this topic. Uh, but I just want to leave you listeners with a quote from one of my friends in Denver, who they also have a little bit of a bat, bat taste in their mouth from Jay <laughs> Cutler. Um, his quote about John Fox was, I like Foxy. I wish him the best, but I hope Jay Cutler slips and ruptures a nut. So with that, we're going to move on to the NFL uh, Veterans Combine. Uh, the NFL recently uh, announced that they're going to start doing uh, an event similar to the, the scouting combine for rookies where they come and do workouts for all the teams for veteran players who might be having a little bit of trouble finding a team or maybe wouldn't be one of the first guys hired in free agency. I, th- I mean, this is, seems like a win-win situation for the players, for the teams, for uh, the, the fans, for everybody. And for the league, because you know they're going to just package that shit up as nicely as they can, throw it on TV for advertising time. Uh, once again, this is the Gross Axelrod Show. I'm Steve. He's Matt. Uh, you can find us every week. Tweet at us at Gross Axelrod, which is all one word. Email us, grossaxelrod at gmail.com. And uh, we're powered by Hazard Audio. We're talking about the free agency com- veteran combine. Is, is there any way Terrell Owens doesn't show up to this thing? No way. <laughs> you, you would have to, that man would have to be home in bed dying to not make it. Earlier this week, he said he's gonna, he could be a thousand yard receiver in the NFL right now. I mean, maybe with, like, Aaron Rodgers passing to him and nobody playing defense. <laughs> nobody playing defense? You mean, like, in that outdoor football league that he lasted two games in and had, like, three catches or something <laughs> like that? 
Yeah, the I mean, th- this is the classic wide receiver thing, though. They always think that they're just the greatest player on the planet, the best one, the really good ones, and they're they're divas. I mean, that's what it is. He's he's aging now. He doesn't bring the skill set that he used to to the table, and so he. But he still doesn't realize that about himself. He doesn't bring anything to the table at all. His his personality sucks. He's been a cancer in the locker room. Why are we even debating Terrell Owens? This is stupid. <laughs> let's, let's move on from Terrell Owens. The, but the point to, to this uh, combine is like like Matt Burke said. He's the president of the Players Association or something like that. He's not the president, but. He's an, an old lineman. He went to Harvard. Uh, he was in the league for a long time. But he said, you know, this is for guys like me who later in their career think, you know, I could still be on a starting roster, but no one wants to pick up the phone because you're, you're old and you've, you've moved on from your last team and they think that's it. So that's the kind of guy that I think this is really going to help um, them and young guys, you know, undrafted free agents who are, have reached the end of their rookie contract, bounced around from team to team, are going to get a real good chance to show teams, here's what we can do. Teams can invite them for interviews and for workouts. And I, I think it's a really positive thing that the NFL is doing. Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, it, it can be so hard to, to find some guys uh, when, you know, when you need an emergency pickup midseason or need to fill out a roster spot or just need to bring in competition during the preseason. It's, it can be so hard to identify those guys. It would be nice to have actual measurables on them on these veterans so that they can make educated decisions on who to bring in. All right, so we're going to move to the uh, AFC and NFC Conference Championship games, which are this weekend. Like I said, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. It probably won't be posted until Sunday night or sometime Monday, so the games will be over already. So that's why we decided not to do a lot of analysis on the games, but we're going to go ahead and give you guys our picks. So, uh, Matt, I'll let you go first. Let's do the AFC Championship game first. I mean, I think it's got to be the Patriots. Has Andrew Luck actually ever beaten the Patriots? as the quarterback of of the Indianapolis Colts. It doesn't seem like it. (laughs) I don't think so. Every single time it seems like they just get stomped. Now, I also thought Denver was going to win that game, but now with how Peyton Manning was playing, it's not too surprising that they didn't. Uh, This is going to be a totally different story, having to go into Foxborough and trying to beat uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots, who are playing some phenomenal, phenomenal football this year. And I just don't see it happening. I'm tempted to pick the Colts almost just because of the game that the Patriots played last week against the Ravens. They they left it all out. That was a classic playoff game. They left it all out there. They had nothing left at the end of that game. And I just I don't know how they're going to be able to muster up the energy to do it again and then a third time in the Super Bowl. I'm kind of tempted to pick the Colts. Neither team has a running game. First of all, the first game they played, Jonas Gray, was the Jonas Gray game, the only good game he had all year. Um, but the Colts don't really have a running game. Dan Heron's not the answer. Uh, Trent Richardson got demoted to special teams, <laughs> which is the, one of the worst trades in football history, by the way. And one of the worst drafts in football history. I, that guy. I, it, it's crazy, too, because coming out of college, it, everybody thought he was going to be phenomenal. Right. And he's just awful. He's right. just bad. So. Fuck it, I'll be the contrarian and I'll pick the I'll tell I'll take the Colts. All right. Yeah. All right. So NFC Championship game. Uh, what do you think? Packers at Seattle. It's got to be Seattle. I mean, Seattle completely stomped them. Now, granted, that was the first game first game of the season, but they just completely whooped them. Now the the Packers have been playing some great football, but with how with that how that defense is, and with Aaron Rodgers not playing a hundred percent with that torn muscle in his calf, he just. I just don't see him and and the Packers being able to beat the Seahawks. 
The Seahawks are too good in all phases of the game. They're going to take that game. I just don't see how they don't win that game. I think I agree. I think the Seahawks are going to win. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, though. I think. I agree. If if the Packers have a shot at winning, it's going to be Eddie Lacy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see him having a great game. But if he goes for 100 yards and a touchdown, I think they have a real shot. Uh, you can never count Aaron Rodgers out, even even in Seattle with the hostile crowd and then that defense mm-hmm. with, with Bobby Wagner and the, the whole LOB. I I am uh, I'm very excited for that game. I think it will be a very good game. I expect it to be a much more exciting and close game than the AFC Championship. Thank you for listening to the very first podcast of the Gross Axelrod Show. We're here every week. Tweet us at Gross Axelrod, all one word. Email us at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. That's Steve Gross. I'm Matt Axelrod. Uh, we want to give a shout out to our Hazard Audio. Is powered by Hazard Audio.